Well, good morning. It's, uh, I love that, uh, that little video that was made. The one I particularly loved was the one that said, my daddy teaches me to do backflips. Um, who was that? Does anyone know? Can you still do that, John? Oh, I, I'm the instructor. I, I'm the instructor. <laughs> wow, I was, I, was, I was thinking that was impressive. Um, well, it is, it is Father's Day today and uh, it's good to be uh, together, on, um, to, together to worship our Father in heaven as well. I was, uh, I was looking at um, some stuff on the internet recently about Father's Day and every Father's Day they do some different surveys to find some stuff out and um, uh, just onto that next slide there. And there's actually currently 5.4 million fathers in Australia, aroundabouts. And uh, one in five uh, people are, are dads. And uh, it's interesting there, it was, the average first-time dad is actually 33 years old now. Um, that's interesting. I, I, uh, I was thinking about that. And I actually, we had Evelyn when I was 33. Uh, so ahead of the pack, um, I'd all four done um, by the average has uh, has one. Uh, I thought we might just uh, invite uh, we, our youngest dad. Normally we celebrate that, not youngest dad, but our our newest dad. And I believe it's Charles this morning. I, I think Quinn is the youngest um, child we have. So Charles, could you come up here? I got a little gift for you. Um, oh, Quinn's coming up as well. Wonderful. So I've got a confession to make. I had something nice planned for you, but I forgot it. Uh, so I went to Food Bank and uh, borrowed something from there. So we have some Coles, uh, the finest Belgium chocolate. There we go. We have got a little Freddo frog and uh, wagon wheels. So uh, all sweet. So well done, mate. Excellent. Let's give him a hand. On the next slide there, um, this is, uh, they also say that about 50,000 people end up in our hospitals every year and uh, many of them are actually uh, dads showing off to their kids as well. So, <laughs> save that backflip. Yeah. I was playing Tiggy with my, my girls and uh, this is a couple of years ago now and uh, dislocated my shoulder doing that so uh, I, I add to those statistics. Um, so be careful this Father's Day with the backyard cricket. We, uh, we come to celebrate fathers, but there's also something else that unites us here this morning, and that is that we have a wonderful Heavenly Father. We were um, praying in, in the prayer room just before, and, um, and we, we, there's a number of times that we said uh, to our God, Happy Father's Day. He is the, uh, the most amazing father um, that anyone could have. In the, in the Bible, it, it refers to uh, God as our, our father in a, a couple of different ways. One of those ways is that it refers to our father is, is kind of in that generic sense, in the, in the creator sense, in the, the source of all life and the sustainer of all life. God is father in that way. He's father to, to everyone in that way. We've got a couple of, of verses up the back here, that, uh, up the front here. Um, 
that uh, just a selection, this is from the Old Testament. Yet you, Lord, are our Father, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. So this is a, a generic sense in which all of creation is fathered by God. For in him we live and move and have our beings. This is Paul addressing um, uh, and, and some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. So that's the, uh, the generic wide all of creation comes as, as those who have been created by God and in a sense he is father in that way. But as those who follow Christ, um, Jesus came to invite us into a, a much deeper knowing of God as Father, into a, into a much more intimate way of knowing God and that is as, as, as Abba, Father. This, uh, this invitation into this deep father and child relationship with God is really something that is quite extraordinary. It's quite uh, unique in the sense that there really weren't any pagan religions or even the, uh, at, at the time that, that really imaged this or, or mimicked this. This is quite unique about the Christian faith in the depth of intimacy in which we're invited to have with God the Father. If God is Father in, in that he's created, that's, that's a, a degree of separation which is, which is really significant. But God invites us to have a relationship with his, him as Father and the degree of, of, of closeness comes right in like this. The passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is in Romans. So if you have your Bibles with you there, um, either open or click on uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and we're going to be looking at uh, 14 and we'll stop in verse 17. We might stop in 16. Paul says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies Himself with our spirit that we are God's children. It's a, uh, a wonderful verse for this season. In there, you, you might have noticed something which is a, a little bit strange and that's that word Abba there. Uh, it's, 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 it's not in English. And uh, when, when we look at that word, there's, there's a sense in which we, we may have heard many sermons um, spoken on this before. And uh, you may have heard it, it kind of said that this is... Uh, this is kind of a, a word that little kids used to call their dad, uh, like daddy or, or papa. And uh, that really came about from this um, German Lutheran scholar in about 19... Uh, he, he published a paper in 1971. And uh, that's where it, it kind of came from. And uh, that's, that's, it's probably not the, the best kind of translation or understanding of that word. He, uh, he, he actually got quite a lot of pushback from, from scholars at the time um, and yet it seemed to have ripped through the churches pretty quickly. 
But there is something going on here. Uh, that there is, there's a reason why it's left like that in our Bibles. And it's, it's because it's, it's, it's telling us something very special. And, and there is a closeness, there's this, there's this tender um, endearment that is found in this word. It's, it's not a word that was just used by, by kids like uh, Papa or Daddy because there's actually words um, that, that could have been chosen if it was that word. But this is a word that was, that was quite commonly used um, and it's, it's kind of this, this tender endearment. It's, it, something of it could be, could be dad, it's this closeness of relationship or, um, or, or, or dearest father. What, what it is, is definitely letting us know that this isn't, this isn't a distant relationship, this is a, a close relationship. This is, this is a, a, a word that, that kids, yes, would use but it's also a word that shows respect and honour and that would be used right from childhood right up into adulthood as well. For some of us, the, um, the idea of God as Father is a little bit challenging. In fact, it, it may even be challenging for the way that we, we relate to God. It has been for, for a while because it's true that some people struggle to relate with God as Father because your memories of your Father have been difficult. See, it's, it's not easy to get intimate with God as Abba if you've had an absent or aloof Father. It's not easy to appreciate your adoption if you were an unwanted child. Or, or maybe you're a mistake. Or maybe your dad always wanted a boy and you were a girl. It's not easy to connect with God as father if you feel like your dad was more interested in work than you. Or, or maybe he was, he was always there, but not really there. Not really present, didn't, didn't really see you. It's not easy to connect with God as father, if the father you knew beat you or beat your mother or left you. It's not easy to appreciate God as father if when you, the only times that you interacted with him were really when you did something wrong. Or, or maybe it's, it's on the other total extreme. It's only when you did something exceptional that he interacted with you. There can be different reasons why it's difficult for us to relate with God as Father. Maybe, maybe you had a good experience. Maybe you had a, a good role model of what, what it's like to be a good dad. But I do want to stop here. And I just want to say, your own dad, at his very best, is a poor analogy of the love of our Heavenly Father at his very best, is a poor analogy. And at his very worst, looks absolutely nothing like your Heavenly Father. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And if children, then heirs. You might notice that um, in, uh, in, in your version, I'm not sure what, how it reads, in my version it reads, uh, we're received uh, as, as a, a, adopted as sons. And uh, some of your versions may have, may have tweaked that a little bit. They may have put um, adopted as sons and daughters or adopted as children. And uh, I, I, I understand what's, what's kind of going on there. Um, but I think we miss something. That if we, if, we, if, we, if we play with the translation there, there's, there's something missed. Because what Paul is trying to remind us of, he's, he's especially the, the Romans to whom he was writing, He's trying to trigger something in their minds and uh, it's, it's, it's very, very important what he's trying to trigger because it puts incredibly, incredible value on us as being adopted, um, adopted children of God. You see, what, what happens when, when we're adopted? Actually, I've got the, I've got the Greek here and um, it's, it's made up of, of two words here, one meaning son and the other meaning secured possession. So, so that whole little section there of adopted as sons, that's actually just one word. And it's the idea of, of being a secured possession, that we are, we are, we are bought with a price. This is, this is the idea of adoption. And you know, for, for our minds, when we think of adoption, uh, it, can, it can kind of have, it can go along with it uh, with connotations of, of, of not quite, um, it can go along with some shame for people and uh, the, the sense of, of abandonment uh, in a sense. But uh, when, when Paul uses this word adopted, there's something very, very special about this. Um, he is saying that you were greatly wanted. You see, what the, what the Romans at this time, what they'd be thinking about is that around this time, especially the ruling class, they used to look for a uh, firstborn son to, to adopt. Uh, what, what would happen is, uh, let's say, um, those who were in the, in the ruling classes, they wanted, we wouldn't want to just leave it to genetics. Um, you don't know what you're going to get with genetics. Uh, so, so what they would do is they would actually, when it came time when they were, could be about to die, they would look to adopt someone and they would look quite a, a far way out in their, family, um, in their family tree and they could go to a distant cousin somewhere, someone that's kind of distinguished themselves in, in military battle or in intellect and they would adopt that person as their own son. So, so all legal rights that he had to that other family um, would, be, would be void and he would take all the legal rights of being uh, a son of uh, that, um, uh, sometimes a Caesar. Many of the Caesars were actually adopted children. What is happening with this person is that they're moving incredibly high up the social hierarchy. Um, very, very quickly. So this is the picture that the, the original um, readers would have ha- had that, wow, okay, this is, we, we, we know what this looks like. This looks like someone over here being catapulted up to the very top of, of identity and rights. So that's kind of the picture that's being created for us here by Paul. We're adopted. This isn't a reluctant adoption. We aren't adopted by 
God reluctantly. This is, this is God. Uh, this picture is, is this, this longing to adopt us. There's a, there's a longing in the human heart for, uh, for God. We, we realise that there's this, this separation, there's this something missing and, um, and, and God longs to adopt us. God longs to, to bring us back into relationship with him. His adoption of us could be described as prodigal. Now that's a, that's a word that we don't use very often. It's a word that we pretty much just know from the prodigal son. And, uh, but you, you know, that, that word, this is what it actually means. It means spending money or using resources freely and recklessly and extravagantly. In a sense, that, that's what, what God does when he adopts us. It's, it's, it's free and it's, it's even reckless. It's extravagant in the way that he receives us as sons and gives us the right and the identity as children of God. I was thinking about that, that parable that Jesus gave, the parable, um, the, pro- the prodigal son. That was a, a name that was actually given to it after Jesus didn't name it the prodigal son. Um, some scribes put that in there and it's, it's, it's really helpful to have these little titles throughout our Bible that helps us find where we are uh, quickly but Jesus didn't put that there. And I actually wonder whether Jesus wouldn't actually be very happy with that title because I think it actually mis, um, puts the emphasis on the wrong place. Yes, that son, he was, he was, um, he was prodigal. He, uh, he, was, he was wasteful, he was extravagant, he used all the inheritance that he had. But what was the, 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 the main point of that is the extravagant love and grace and acceptance of the father. And we see that pointed out by the older son right at the end there when he goes, what are you doing, basically? He, he, he picks up, the, he, that, that father is being prodigal. And, and Jesus gives this parable because he wants us to know what the father is like. He, he wants us to know that the father is absolutely extravagant in our love, in his love. I want to uh, just very, very quickly go over that, that parable again and, and we, we know that quite well. But I want to do it through the lens of knowing that this is Jesus trying to find a way of, of expressing to us just how extraordinary the Father's love is for us and, 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 and even how, how his love is, in a sense, prodigal. So we all know how that, that story starts. We've got this... Uh, a couple of sons and one of those sons he he says to his dad basically dad i i um i i want to do things my own way i don't want to do it your way and uh, i would like all your blessings and all your inheritance and uh, and and i would like to have them um but i'm not too interested in a relationship with you that's basically what humanity said in the garden something similar to that that son goes out, he wastes all his money, um, both, both his, his wisdom isn't enough to, to handle the blessings that he has and also the world just kind of works up, uh, against him as well, as, as it often does. Uh, it talks about a feminine in the land. And what we find is that he, he gets to the lowest of the lows, he's feeding pigs, which is for a Jewish boy is just terrible. 
and uh, he's, he's there and he thinks, I wonder if my dad would take me back as a slave. I wonder if he would take me back as one of his servants because his servants have it better in his kingdom than, uh, than, than I do here. So what he does, he decides to, to head back and, and I can just imagine, remember the father's heart here. Jesus is trying to tell us, this is what the father's heart is like. And this boy, he starts to come up towards his father's place and I can imagine the father kind of, kind of looking out there and he sees the silhouette of his boy. Now he knows what his boy looks like. He's, uh, he's lost a bit of weight but do you know how you can see someone that you know really well from a distance just by the way they move and the way they hold themselves? I can imagine this happening with the father. And he sees him there and uh, he calls out to his servants, he says, my boy's here, my boy's back. And, and he, he t- talks about him, him running down towards his boy. This is totally undignified. And he picks him up and grabs him. I can imagine the sweat kind of pouring down his forehead and his tears in his eyes. And he says, my boy, you're home. My boy, you're home. And uh, I, I can imagine that boy starting to think, oh, what, what, uh, think of what he's going to say. Uh, I've, I've let you down. And, and his, his father just kind of puts his hand on him and says, he says, servant, get a robe for my boy. This robe covers his shame. And uh, he puts a, it, it's, it's for a, an honoured guest. And he puts it in his boy that said, I want nothing to do with you, dad. I want all your gifts but I want nothing to do with you. He puts it on that boy. Then he goes even more extravagant. He goes and gets a ring and that ring signifies um, that all the rights that he had as as a child of this father are now restored to him. That's extravagant. That's, that's prodigal and he says, he says go get sandals and, and put it on his, his, um, his shoes. He's not coming back as a slave, he's coming back as my son. What we need to re- remember here is that Jesus is trying to give us a picture of what God as the Father is like. That, that is a, it's, it's hard for him to express and he uses this parable to try and get uh, just an idea of just how out there, just how extravagant God's love is for us. We see a, a couple of things there. Um, I don't know about you, but I, um, I tend at times to, to move out of alignment which, with the stuff that would make my father, my heavenly father, pleased. And um, there's, there's sometimes a little bit of time before you come back because you don't know what he said, how he will be. Um, maybe, maybe that has something to do with, um, with my experience of, of Father, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, uh, but it's, it's, it's difficult for us to really receive that if we come back to our Father after, after letting him down that he would have such incredible open arms. He's looking for his people to come back and uh, in, in a sense what he was doing was he was repenting. Um, that boy, he was turning around from his old life. He says, I, I, I can't do it that way anymore. I need to come under my dad's house to be with my dad. His grace and his love for us is absolutely extraordinary. If, um, if you don't know God as dad, 
this parable invites us to know him as Abba Father. A father that is willing to embrace you and uh, not only embrace you but to give you an extraordinary identity and, uh, and the privileges of being a son of the king. Another part in this passage, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Here we go. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Spirit has a, has a role here in our lives and uh, there's, there's a couple of things that he does. The Spirit of adoption makes us, makes us secure in our identity. There's this, um, the, the Spirit of God helps us to know, deeply know, that God is not just a distant Father, but God is our Father and we are his child. The Spirit also releases a cry within us and it's a cry that cries Abba, Abba Father. This cry is both involuntary and it's emotional. It comes from deep down, this Father cry. Something happens when we become Christians. Something, something moves in our hearts, the Holy Spirit teaching us to call out to, to God as Father. You know, I see this, um, I see this with, my, with my kids. Uh, I, the other day I was in the, the lounge room and I hear this, Dad! Dad! Do you know that, do you know that kind of cry that, that you just know that you've got to come? And uh, you know that there's no time to say coming. Um, you just drop everything and you run. Uh, it was Evelyn, and she was <clears throat> she was actually in my walk-in robe. And there were some chocolates up above, up on the in the the tops of the shelves. And she'd climbed up one of my dresses in there, and uh, was trying to climb back down, but got her finger caught in uh, in one of the drawers and was kind of hanging there in a sense by her finger. And uh, she cried, Dad. Why didn't she just call help? Because she knew that her dad could help her. Came home the other day. It's just been Levi's birthday recently. And uh, open up the garage, close the garage. Levi's there. He says, Dad, Dad, you've got to see what I got. And uh, he just bought this remote control bird thing from, um, from Kmart with his birthday money. And, uh, but he was so excited to see me. And I, I, I ran down into his room and, and he showed me this remote control bird that flutters around and gets stuck on the roof all the time. Um, but he just didn't call out with excitement. It's because he wanted his dad to see, he wanted his dad to show, to, to, to share with him this joy that he had in seeing this little bird. Sometimes get a call from Evelyn's, Eloise's room. I don't even know how to do it. It's like, kind of like, Dad! That, that's kind of it. Um, and it's, a, it's a kind of a call for justice cry. Because um, I come in her room and, and her Lego, which is up high, 
has been attacked um, by either Levi or Evelyn climbing up and getting it with Lego and uh, trying to get it down nicely but dropping it and uh, there's kind of this cry for justice. Dad, Dad, he'll, he'll do something about this. It's these cries that come from our children, these dad cries. You know, when, when, we, when we come into relationship with God, we hear about that. What, what, is it, what is it to have a relationship with the Father of God? What is it to have a relationship with Him? And I think this is some of the, uh, something of what it is to have a relationship with Him. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Dad. We see something that delights us. We see some, we're out in the boat and we see some dolphins or we see a sunrise and there's something that rises up in our hearts that says, God, thank you. God, this is amazing. That's the cry of Abba in our hearts. When something has deeply hurt us, say, oh God, help. That's the cry that the Spirit is making in our lives. When we're accused of doing something that we haven't done, we cry, God, vindicate me. There's this involuntary and emotional cry that says, Dad, in the heart of a Christian. There's a relationship there. I've got a a quote from someone, I can't pronounce his name very well, but he was a 5th century bishop uh, in Greece. Talking about this passage, he said this, the spirit acts as would a mother teaching her baby to say daddy. And she repeats the name to her baby until the baby becomes so used to calling daddy that it calls even in its sleep. So the spirit does, keeps whispering the name of our Father. This is something that is uh, so unique and so special to those who follow Christ. Professor James Dunn, he, uh, he said this. In writing about Paul and writing about this passage, he said, Paul would have had little personal sympathy with a purely rational faith or primarily a ritualistic religion. The inner witness of the spirit was something at the very heart of what distinguished his faith as a Christian from what he had known before. There's the work of the Spirit in our lives that confirms that God is our Father, that allows us to come before him to naturally and intrinsically to say, Dad, Father, that's the work of the Spirit. To give us this close relationship and to mediate that to us. We're um, going to go into a, a time of communion now. It's wonderful. I think of those, those wonderful verses in, um, in Hebrews right at the beginning and it says that we can come confidently into his throne room. The reason that we can do that, the reason that we can call 
God Father in such an intimate way. The reason why our hearts cry Father is because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He's given us access into the throne room of God to receive his grace and his mercy.